Hey everybody, it's Justin and Tiana. Say hi, Tiana. Hi. Here with Mayday, and we have what could be our most exciting interview, I think, just because she's, (laughs) I'm not even lying, purely based on how awesome she is and the timing of the interview. I'm not going to lie. Oh my gosh, yeah. After, you know, we watched, we we watched the finale and I was like, oh. You guys did? We did. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not, this is not going to come out till after. This This is not going to come out till after. So it'll come out on Wednesday. So. Oh my God. We can talk about our Talking about it. So first of all, all first of all, let me congratulate you of making Rita the MVP of season two of The Handmaid's Tale. Big round of applause for you. (laughs) That is awesome. See, I'm giving myself one. Thank you. <laughs> you should. Thank you. You should. I, I'm so, so glad you guys have seen it because I'm so tired of being like, Rita is, guys, I promise you, she's going to take a hard left. I promise you, she's going to do something to chop vegetables. I've been saying that for so long, and so now <laughs> I can finally get to talk. Oh, so are we the, fir- are we the first people? It doesn't matter. Are we the first people to actually talk about this interview? Yes. I feel so privileged. Man, that's awesome. Guys, I for you you're my favorite so oh, let's do this. Well, well i appreciate all of it so let's let's do this we're gonna hop right into uh the first thing we like to do is get our social media followers involved because without them we don't do anything and they watch your show so that that makes you successful and everything is good so uh basically what we're going to do is run down some of their questions and see what they want to know from you awesome. and uh tiana and i are going to kind of alternate here so i will start it off um and this is you probably get this one a lot especially on the twitters uh <laughs> Our, our Facebook users, Teresa Payne, Heather Shepard, and Bridget Thomas, all want to know, when will Rita get her backstory shown on The Handmaid's Tale? Oh, my God. I love this question. And this is one question. But right now, I just want to say I'm going to be as honest as I can. Um, and this is I'm not even trying to be cute with this answer. I don't know. I think season three, I feel like it's coming. Like, I feel like there's no other way to go. I think we have to now, now after seeing what she's a part of and who she is on episode 13, I think there's no other way to go besides seeing her backstory. And if they don't, if the writers don't write it, I'm just going to shoot my own little YouTube videos and make up a backstory because <laughs> I feel I need a backstory for her. Absolutely. I love it. It's fantastic. No, she, I really think she does. And she's the one, even when we were putting out some questions just for, we interviewed Bruce Miller a few weeks ago. And that was you mm-hmm. and you and Aunt Lydia are like the ones people want to know about because you're the most mysterious ones. Nobody knows know. what's going on. I know. And, you know, I do love keeping the mystery. Like I kind of I already have such a very distinct idea of who I think she was and still is. And so I kind of love playing the mystery. But I think that fans and I, I think that everyone sort of deserves to know with, with um, Aunt Lydia and myself who we are. Like you, you can't you have to sort of know where they've come from to fall in love with them even more. So I, I agree with that. Uh, so Jen Walters, um, <laughs> the rock shoe idea was yours for, for Rita, right? You've mentioned that before. Love that question. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, I, I really think that she's, she's an enigma. And I really wanted to, in anticipation of being able to show her backstory, I wanted to show someone with a completely different physicality in, of my own. I don't have kind of like a, a, like a swagger limp that Rita does. I wish I had a gangster limp in real life, but I don't. Um, and because I didn't know how to do it, I felt like rocks or something to sort of impede her, her, her walk would help me just constantly remember that there's something happened. In my idea, the reason I put it in is because I think that before she was someone who had quite a strong walk. She was quite a confident woman. Um, and then something, whether it was like her descending into Gilead 
something happened in which she was injured in a way. Um, and so I just wanted to show, because she doesn't really say in words how she was traumatized emotionally, I wanted to show that there was some trauma physically that sort of brought her to this point of submission. So the rocks in the shoe was the only thing I could think of. How much of your, your own personality do you feel like you bring into Rita? Um, I, I'm a bit more energetic and talkative and bubbly than Rita, but I do have, um, she, I feel like everyone has a darkness, right? I do, I do bring, um, the sort of darkness that I don't usually get to play, uh, from my own life that I am, I'm, I can be a, a bit of a dark person. And I, I've finally had the opportunity to bring that out in Rita. Uh, before this, I did one movie called Room with Brie Larson. And it was sort of a, it was, it was very much a drama. And the police officer in, in it, and the one who finds, finds Brie and finds uh, Jacob, finds the little boy. Um, and so it was my first sort of foray into drama. I did a bit in Orphan Black, which is more of a comedic turn. So I was really sort of scared to show the darker side because I've, as a professional, I've only sort of showed levity and humor. Um, but in my real life, as most people who, who are in comedy are, they're, they're a bit dark and a bit, yeah, dark in their personal lives. So with Rita, her, um, her seriousness, her, um, her, her moments of stillness are really reflective of me at home, especially the mother of two kids. Guys, sometimes I just have to stand still and just stare <laughs> at my children, and they know that I will kill them with a look. So that a lot of that is a lot of that is Rita. Absolutely, that's fantastic. <laughs> I will say that you are a, a fantastic follow on Instagram. If anybody's looking for uh, a pictures of cute children um, and just awesome pictures <laughs> in general and funny stuff, you're a great follow on Instagram. So. Uh, I would suggest Thank anyone you. to do that. Really nice oh, no problem. And you did, you mentioned, so bring this kind of ties into something that you mentioned on kind of a Twitter um, tweet that we put out that you kind of blew up for us. Thank you. Kind of by accident was the, <laughs> was the shot where Rita is taking a drink of the champagne during the baby shower. Yeah. And you, mm -hmm. you commented about how you like to do something in every episode that you're in to make your husband laugh. And I wanted to know if you could comment on Absolutely. what some of those moments were, if you could you know, shine a little light on those and give us some of your favorite ones. You've seen a couple recently. There was a, a part in um, uh, where she asked me to, me to be the godmother, and I go to leave the room, and then I kind of turn back halfway, and I keep leaving. I do that a lot to my husband. If we have a fight or if there's a disagreement or if there's something that we don't agree on, when we've resolved it, we'll leave, and he thinks we're leaving on a good note, and I'll do kind of a half turn to start back up again. And then I'll stop and I'll continue walking out of the room. So that was definitely a, a call out to my husband. Um, a lot of it are, are hand gestures. They're really subtle, but I'll do things with my hands or point. There's another, it's a very, very far shot where I'm complaining that Eden has taken, I think it's my honey. And uh, I do something with my fingers and I point because I point a lot in real life. So they're really little subtle things. But the thing I love is that my husband catches everyone. The champagne is definitely because I, I, I'm telling you, if I know you and I'm at a party and I don't have a drink and I know you and I know that you're like germ-free, I will take your drink. I will sip it and I will keep walking. So that was, no, you guys, if we ever meet, because I know you guys now, don't leave your drinks around. You don't need to leave your drinks around because someone will sip them. And that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, now I wish we had paid more attention when we were in the same room with that's you. Right. See, we, <laughs> now, see, that, now, see, you can't say it like that, Tiana. That sounds a little stalkerish. Um, that does we're, sound a little stalkerish. We're, we were supposed to be there. We were supposed to be there. We were invited. We were at Atlanta at the Scadfash uh, ex exhibit opening. Ann Crabtree had invited us down because you we guys were? 
<laughs> yeah, we were there, and uh, yeah, yeah. I keep saying this because we keep interviewing people that were there, and we didn't we didn't mix and mingle with you guys because it was a little crazy there. There was a lot of people there and a lot of stuff going on. So and oh no. But we were th- you guys oh, were all so busy. Time, like, everybody needed your attention. So, you know. I know, but you guys are like made like you guys are you. We wouldn't have made room for you, and I would have too if I had seen you holding drinks. <laughs> See, I would have been thirsty. <laughs> it would have been beneficial for everybody. Well, uh, you know, so next Albert, time come around. Well, next time we'll be there. Absolutely. Next time you're having a party in Canada, we can come oh. on up. Okay. All right. So next uh, question is from our uh, Facebook user, Lisa DeBusk Jones. She says she finds it interesting that Rita seems to just go through the motions and do what she has to do, but she gets very excited when June gets, when they think June is pregnant, especially in season one. Is she just excited at the prospect of a new life and something else to do at the house? Or is she really that genuinely excited? It was kind of a mystery because she was, the mood did shift quite quickly for her. Really? really shift so I love this question because it means that she's really paying attention so I love this question um I I I think it's both I think that she um now I'm really going to go deep I don't actually think that Rita is a Martha by like physical um attributes I think that she found her way maybe she passed testing maybe she did something but it's mentioned that she's had a child before I think that Rita did what she had to do to become a Martha because in her eyes it was the safest place to be um, when you're a handmaid, you get shipped from house to house. But if you're a Martha and you're, if you're lucky enough to find a house that has a baby, then you have a role at least for another 20 years. And in a place where roles for women are so few and far between and you have no purpose, I, I think that she's smart enough and she realized that becoming a Martha would give her purpose for 20 years. She has something to do and then her role is secure because she's basically raising a child for 20 years. So I think she was excited. A, at the prospect of just doing something else besides chopping vegetables, and then B, uh, from the beginning, I think that Rita does care about June, and so she was just excited that something was happening in this house. Again, if you remember, her last couple of handmaids, it didn't go well, and her last handmaid that I think that she was really good friends with hung herself. So it was just a celebration that there was just some sort of joy. There are such few moments of joy in the Waterford house. So the reason I chose to, I chose to perform it like almost um, – like such heightened joy was because it was that for her. If you think about every day, you know what you're going to do every day and where you're going to lay your head and every day is so mundane that a little glimpse of joy is going to send you over the edge. And that is pretty diving deep down into the character. But yeah, that does make a lot more sense than, you know, just her really being excited that there's a baby in the house. That's awesome. All right, Tiana, next one's on you. You're welcome. At Conceptual Alice on Twitter wants to know, what has been your favorite scene this season to perform? This season. Um, It's interesting because at the beginning I was quite outspoken about the fact that um, she doesn't really say much. And I really, truly, I struggled with it at the beginning. As actors are given text to convey emotion or to propel storyline forward. And I was a bit, um, I I, I just found it difficult with Rita to try to convey everything she was feeling within um, a sentence like praise be or uh, under his eye. Like I felt really almost trapped in her silence and in her, in her quietness, her mutedness. Um, but then I got really comfortable with it and I became used to it because I would communicate, again, through physicality or through breath or through blinking of an eye. Um, and so I finally got a scene, a, a meteor scene to speak, and it's the scene in which June asks me to be the godmother. And so when I got it, originally when it was written, it was a little bit longer, but when I realized I was all of a sudden going to have to speak and find her voice, I was petrified guys i was trying to find a way to like to get it cut i was like where does it speak where does it speak give me something to talk 
I don't know how to do this. Um, but then I, Lizzie and I have such a wonderful friendship outside of what you see on set. And I feel like they sort of massage that into, into the, into the script. And so just in rehearsing it and then doing it, I was like, this is going to be magic. And it was, it was glorious. Both of us were in peers through every take and during her coverage and my coverage, because it was the one time I feel like we both felt like we could connect with a human. Mm -hmm. And it was the most, it was really special. It was really special in doing it. It took sort of the most, um, I think the most, um, the least emotional take, which I'm glad they did because a blubbering Rita would have been a bit, it would have thrown, I think, a a bunch of people. But um, in order to do and execute it and finally find her voice after finding her physical presence was a treat and a joy. And I can't wait to use her voice more now. I still want to chop stuff. I just want to, I just want to find like more moments to say, to just, yeah, just to speak the truth. Absolutely. It was a fantastic moment. And you're right. It was not overly done to the point where it was like, oh, well, Rita goes from not speaking to being a blubbering mess. So that that was a joke. Yeah. To being like a crazy emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Like I find that I do have to right now give a shout out to, to the directors and the editors as well. Like they really are, the show has such restraint to it even like in the most horrific circumstances there it, it does become heightened at certain points but it still has such an element of restraint and I think that that gives the audience credit to feel their own emotions instead of us putting them on you everyone else is allowed to feel what they think they would feel going through it um so I, I yeah I have to give a shout out to the editors and to the the directors for like letting us knowing when to push forward and then knowing when to hold back especially in overly emotional scenes. all right here's a fun one to uh to go go a little lighter, uh, our Twitter friend at of Ken uh, wants to know what is Rita's karaoke jam. Oh my God, I love of Ken. I know of Ken. Um, hi of Ken. Um, her karaoke jam. Uh, it's it has to be gangster rap. Um, and so I <laughs> usually do. Um, uh, I don't know. I can't say it. In, in Paris, Kanye and Jay Z. All right. All right. Yeah. And I, before I leave my trailer, I do a little spin, but I also, at the beginning of that song, it says we're going to skate to one song and one song only. And on my way, when they call me to come to the studio, I put on my headphones and I always in my head repeat, okay, we're going to skate to one song and one song only. (laughs) And um, my theme for this whole, before I knew who she was going to become in in episode 13, my, my theme, I always have sort of like a drone line or one drone note for the whole season like my overarching feeling that I want to add to every scene. And it was, um, don't let me into my zone. And that's what the Kanye repeats at the end of the, of that song. And don't let me get in my zone. And, uh, so definitely don't let Rita get into her zone because <laughs> shit goes. Hey, baby. So that's my karaoke jam. That's fantastic. Now all I can picture is Rita doing karaoke to that song. That's not going to be able to leave my brain right now. <laughs> all right. I... I know. I know. In her, 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 whole, her whole outfit. Yeah, the whole thing. In, char- in character. I yeah. love it. Uh, Tiana I, yeah. Tiana has a great question. I love this question from our Instagram user about, about the uh, recipes, because I never thought about this until this got asked to me. So, at Tori Dawn and Twitter user at Offred Tweets, um, want to know, how is Rita doing all of this baking and cooking if she doesn't have any written recipes? Oh, reading and writing. thank you. I don't no. And furthermore, I don't think that Rita was a cook before in life. Like, I think that she might have had a cook or I think she ordered out. I think she was like almost the exact opposite of who she is now. Um, and so I think it was probably trial and error. 
um, now after seeing 13, you guys realize that the Marthas speak a heck of a lot more than what you see on camera. Mm -hmm. And so I also think that she probably stole some recipes from some girlfriends. Just She just sort of made it up mm. as she went along. And if that's her sole purpose in life is to sort of just make house, she, she's a quick learner. She's a smart girl. And so she, she learned and she learned quickly. But I do think at the beginning there was some like overbaked breads. There was some messed up quiches. Like I think some chickens were maybe raw. Like I think it was, I don't think she took to it like a, like a duck on water. I think it was a bit of a work in progress report, Rita. Oh, that that's a good answer. I love that. I um, love that idea. And a su kind of a sub question to this because it also has to do with what she's cooking. So there's a, a scene earlier in this season where it's the scene right after Isaac has knocked out Janine on the way to the store so they don't make it to the store. And they come back and Rita yeah. can't, doesn't have her chicken. Suck my dick. Sorry. Yes. Yes. The suck, suck yeah. my dick line. And Rita mm -hmm. is upset because she doesn't have the chicken to cook with. And so she's like, we'll make beans then. Yeah. And there's this moment and the camera yeah. kind of lingers on the beans. And everybody's kind of thinking, what's up with the beans? Is there an issue with the beans? Are they poison beans? What's Rita's problem you know, with the beans? I how many, how many, I have read articles. <laughs> I have been, my agent called me the other day and she was like, I need to know how to feel the bean question. And I was like, this is now the height of my career. And this is what I'm talking about for beans. I love the idea that people have read into the beans. Um, now I can say what it was, was um, the reason it was written like that. And we did a whole like, like 15 minutes set up on shooting the beans. June, I think after seeing Isaac and sort of seeing and being in the Waterford house and realizing that her baby's probably not going to be the most comforted, she sees that Rita, and at least this is what it says in the script, she sees that Rita it quickly goes from um, accepting the fact that the baby's not going to have protein and chicken for the day. And so she quickly, quickly sort of reevaluates the situation and then just is like, okay, well, beans have protein, let's switch to beans. So the focus on the beans is just June realizing that Rita would be a great godmother and realizing that June, that Rita would do anything that she could to give the baby what she needs. And in that case, it was protein. That's all of the beans are. That's fantastic. And it's just yeah. one of those things. It was like really I odd. know. Everybody was like, what is happening with the bean shot there? Okay. Well, that's, that's great know. information. I, I read some people were like, beans ferment and then she could poison with the beans. Like it's a whole thing about the beans. It's my favorite. I wish that now and now. Now that I know this, I'm not even joking. I'm going to find a way to work beans into season three. I'm not saying just as a shout out to all my people. I want to find a way to like sprinkle some beans somewhere or have like magic beans. But uh, yeah, all it is, is just really June realizing that she, this woman will do anything she can for the, um, just for the, the safety of the baby and the safety of her handmaid. And she, that's the moment, that's the moment that she decides that she's going to ask Rita to be the handmaid. So you'll see directly after her asking me to bring her a cup of milk, which I begrudgingly do. Um, and that's when she asked me to be a godmother. That's fantastic. Great information. I appreciate that. All right. So we got about 10 minutes left and we got You're some welcome. important questions we want to ask you here. So we're going to start off back here, Tiana, at the top Thanks. of the top of the list. Um, so Rita, up until about the mid middle of season two, has really been a tough character to figure out, even admittedly by you in some of the interviews that I'd seen. Um, you really couldn't tell if she yeah. was kind of a true believer in Gilead or not, which, you know, line, the side of the line she fell on. Uh, did you know in season one what side she was on? And at what point did you realize that she was going to kind of be the MVP of season two? And when did you did you get that script early on? Yeah. Or was that later? No, guys, I don't know anything. I know when you know. I was <laughs> I, I didn't know. I. I had a feeling that she was, they were massaging her into being somewhat of a, 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 a bit more of a soft soul and someone who really was going to fight back. 
um, halfway through season two, but I still didn't know. I didn't know if it was going to be all of a sudden where they I, they decide that I'm the undercover eye or I'm like a secret commander or something. Um, I really didn't know. I got the last script, so the last episode, I was in Niagara Falls with my kids and my husband, and I read it. It was 11 o'clock at night, and I read it standing up, and I was like, do words mean the same thing in Niagara Falls? Because I think I just read that I am like Harriet Tubman. So then I reread it again. Like I held it in yes. the air because like altitude. I was like, is this, I don't know if the words are making sense. And it, I read it again. My husband woke up and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm Harriet Tubman. I'm Harriet Tubman. And I, I got so excited. So I changed my screensaver to Harriet Tubman. And the next day we went to a water park with our kids. And I walked around literally looking at all the people in the water park, like looking at them in their eyes, like, you have no idea who I am, do you? You're going to find out, but you don't know. You don't know. I saved everybody. Yeah. So I got really extra and excited, but um, I didn't, I found out, um, we, so we shot the, the week before. So I shot out, I, I found out six days before we shot. Oh my gosh. All right, well, you, Which you're... I kind of love. Like, I, I have my own ideas about who I think she is and who I think she was going to be, and I was going in that vein. I just didn't realize that she was going to sort of be the orchestrator behind all of this mess. And now that she is, yeah. I'm like, now that you've given me a taste of gangster life, <laughs> well, just Lord, hang on for season three, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just leads right into but, our next question there. Tiana's got Yeah, it. perfectly. This is exactly what I wanted to ask you about. So I, the whole time I was watching this part of the final the finale of season two, I was like, am I just seeing all of these parallels between this like great Martha escape and the like Antebella civil war era underground railroad helping slaves escape? Like, am I just seeing that because I am a minority woman or is that a real thing? No, girl. Because we definitely saw a bunch of, most of those Marthas were minorities. Yes. As soon, no, I'm not kidding you. As soon as I read it, I said out loud, I'm Harriet Tubman in Niagara Falls. I was like, this is it. This is my moment in life to do this. (laughs) And so I, um, I was really, really moved by it, but then I thought that I was making it up, and I was really trying to make something out of nothing, and so I approached Bruce, and indeed, he said yes. He actually refers to it as the Martha Network, so it's not unlike the Underground Railroad. Um, Directly after I read the script, I read so much up on the Underground Railroad because I just wanted to just bleed a little more information to the character and bleed a little more truth into actually what people went through and just the sacrifices that people had to make that were on the other side and that could have gotten caught helping these people get to Canada. But um, no, absolutely. It's something, it's definitely a theme that was not done, that was done very much on purpose. Um, if you think about it as well, the trajectory of, of slaves being led to Canada and the Underground Railroad, but this time it's not, yeah, um, you know, Quakers and it's not, it's, it's Martha's. And the idea that it's still minorities, not unlike Harriet Tubman, that are helping other minorities in this case go forward and go to Canada is that you know the parallels are exactly what you think they are it's brilliant in my opinion it's fantastic so glad to hear that that was intentional all right so we got a couple minutes left here so I want to try and get in just one or two more questions um you have an interesting story that I discovered doing some research last night about uh your kind of background with The Handmaid's Tale and I wanted you to see if you could tell the story about how I read that you um, got on a scholarship to York University based on some essays or stories that you wrote based on The Handmaid's Tale. I did. So the first time I wrote, I read it, I was 14 and I was in grade 10 and I wrote it and it was just, it blew my mind. It was my favorite book. So I wrote a series of short stories and uh, I got a small, small, like a English scholarship in high school um, just to apply to universities. It's expensive to apply to universities. And so I did. And 
when I was applying to universities, I didn't know if I was going to become an actor or a screenwriter. And um, I was leaning towards screenwriters, so I wrote my thesis, my sort of application essay to get into York University on The Handmaid's Tale, specifically on Rita. And I was offered a full scholarship to the program. I turned it down to become an actor because for some reason I thought it would be easier. Lord knows it's not. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's, um, I've written short stories. I've written uh, essays on it. And then flash forward, when people don't know this, in third year university, I still really was actively writing. And um, I wrote another essay on The Handmaids, but I paralleled it with other books, sort of the dystopian books, and I was accused of plagiarism by my professor oh. because he said that no one has insight into a book like this at a, at a third-year university level. So then I brought my little short stories and my essay and every other thing that I had written on The Handmaid's Tale, and I sort of just plopped it on his desk, and I was like, boom, I'm not <laughs> plagiarizing. I'm just this crazy stalker, Margaret Atwood fan. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane, like full circle moments. And my first interview for when I did a television show, I was asked who are the two people that I want to meet. And my answer was always Oprah and Margaret Atwood. So then last year I was seated beside Margaret at the Emmys. And when Oprah walked out on stage to um, announce what the best show was, I turned to Margaret. She's very um, outspoken and wild and crazy and sarcastic. And I was like, don't fuck this up. Because I knew that Oprah was there and Margaret was there. It was my chance to meet my two people. So I was like, don't you fuck this up, Margaret. And so when they called Handmaids, I escorted Margaret to the stage to Oprah. That's we've amazing. We've you guys. I can't go any higher. Wow. That's, that's I know. amazing. Yeah. All oh, right. my gosh. Yeah. Amanda, I wish you lived here. We would be best friends. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> You're the cutest. <laughs> For real. That's fantastic. Justin can that you also just described my book collection. Yes, that's true. Tiana's book collection is very much like that. Really? So, oh, totally. Yeah, Absolutely. Totally. Um, totally. All right, awesome. we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. We have one important question because we were at the SCAD Fash uh, exhibit, like we said, and we went to the Q&A, and there was some very, a very interesting uh, nugget of information that you dropped about Rita and the way you play her, and I wanted Tiana to ask this question for our last question. Yeah, so, so you mentioned that... Um, you're actually playing two roles on the show. Sometimes you're playing Cora and sometimes you're Rita as they were both in the Waterford household in the book. Um, and we got a, you know, we got a handmaid named Cora, interestingly, at the end of season yeah, two. Yeah, we do. But can, yeah, yeah, can you talk yeah. a little bit more about how you feel about playing both of the roles? Well, at the beginning, again, because I'm obsessed with the book, at the beginning I realized um, I was only hired for a day. Being the only Canadian on the show, I was only hired for a day originally to just to play Rita, just to sort of introduce her. And I don't know if they anticipated me coming back. And so when I was there and I was brought back a couple weeks in a row, I realized there was no Cora. And I was like, no, 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 I'm Canadian. My Canadians are going to kill me if I'm not representing this book properly. So I thought with all of the sassy lines I was given, I was like, if there's only going to be one Martha in the house, I have to stay true to the book and I have to represent Cora in some way. So that scene that you're talking about as well, when I'm happy about the baby, that's Cora. Or scenes where I'm a little more gentle or I'm a little softer, that's Cora. In the book, Cora is sort of offered lifeline to some sort of humanity. Rita is really rigid and stoic and not unlike you see me play her a lot. But I really, really wanted to give like the true diehard book lovers a taste of both Marthas because I didn't know when they were, yeah. if Cora was ever going to show up. And um, 
it actually really helped because it helped me develop Rita in developing an underbelly to her, more of a three-dimensional character to her than I ever would have. It's not interesting when you play someone who's cold all the time. Mm. So to have that depth and to have almost two personalities, like we all do, where we have, like, if you're like me, you have 75 personalities, you, um, <laughs> you, they all come out at different moments. And so that was my, that was really my foray into solidifying Rita was, was paying homage to both her and Cora. And now we have Cora finally, who will hopefully be, we'll see her more in season three. I feel like the Cora that we've met is like 100% Rita. She's like so much more Rita than Rita could ever be. <laughs> so it's almost like we've switched, yeah. switched roles. Because that one-eyed Cora is a gangster. I don't want to mess with her. <laughs> or she's crazy and scary. <laughs> well, if you're saying she's crazy and scary, then we need to take heed for season three then. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, you uh, do. Um, so, so lastly, and I, I wanted to make mention of this cause I'm not sure if you saw it or not, but I tweeted out that literally the night that I got this, uh, interview confirmed, I was sitting at the Fox theater here in St. Louis waiting for Neil Young to come on stage. And so I said, that was my, my peak Canada moment. I have a question for you. Now my question is, um, you may not have noticed, but things are a little, uh, touch and go down here politically. Um, so we're wondering if, if you might, uh, have some room in your house for a few million people to chill. I'm just asking. No. I'm just asking for a couple. just that. Just if it's you and Tiana, yeah. if the two of you, I have room. All yep. right. And All of right. Ken, uh, yeah, the three of you guys. Oh, we love of Ken. Of Ken have, can like, come and do it. In whatever. Canada, too, there's, uh, there's so much. There's also so much. There's so much. Like, we have such more. We just have a, just a greater mass of land, and there's so few people. Like, I, we need people to populate us. I don't know if you guys know that, but please, the more the merrier. I'm in. Like, we're, there's no one up there. I can go for a day and not see anyone. So y'all <laughs> come in. I'll give you a my house. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. We'll do whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, Amanda Bruegel, awesome. uh, MVP of Handmaid's Tale Season 2. Thank you for joining May Day. We truly appreciate it. Uh, Tiana, do you have any other parting words? You're welcome. Justin, this was amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. It was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. It was a pleasure. I'm really excited. You guys have done so much for the show, and everyone loves you. So I'm just glad. I'm glad I got to be able to speak to you. And next time, I'm not joking. Come over. Bump people into the way. Uh, <laughs> we will, now that you've given us permission. I feel We like totally I will, if we, if we are in the yeah. same room again. And maybe we'll Definitely. steal your drinks and drink we will. your drinks. We will. Now, now you're going too far. No, <laughs> oh, see, no. across the line. See, I do that across <laughs> the line. Thank you again. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Bye.